This is the Shoot Once Podcast, a podcast about the Columbus Blue Jackets and the NHL, a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. All right, Blue Jackets fans, how are we feeling, guys? My goodness, what a roller coaster the last 48-ish hours of being a fan has been. Um, probably longer than that. It's longer than that at this point. Games three, four, and five. My goodness, just unbelievable. Um, I'm gonna. I mean, my plan on this one, guys. I mean, it's it's late. It's been it's been an amazing, amazing experience here. But I'm I'm just gonna kind of walk you through how I felt during all the games, what I felt like I saw, what the numbers were showing us, that sort of thing. Game one, Blue Jackets two, Maple Leafs none. Uh, I think I was on the same page as most of the the hockey people out there that were saying this was the game where the Blue Jackets did exactly what they wanted to do, and that's that's what it felt like when you were watching that game. Uh, I mean, the Blue Jackets, their expected goals for at five on five, and all these numbers are scoring venue adjusted from natural stat trick. 1.88 expected goals for 1.54 expected goals against. They tell they high danger chances, high danger. Uh, oh, where the numbers go here? High danger chances for 9.59. High danger chances against 8.36. Those were pretty. I mean, those are actually relatively large numbers for for what they were doing. So it was a. It was the kind of game where there were as the Blue Jackets played what they wanted to do. Um, I mean, they they kind of dom- they 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 didn't dominate the possession numbers. They kind of held it as far as Corsi in the fifty two point six five department. Scoring chances for slight edge fifty point nine nine. High danger chances for slight edge fifty three point four two. When you were watching this game, it felt like how the Blue Jackets have won games. They didn't allow many dangerous chances. They had more dangerous chances than their opponents. They locked down on the big guns, uh, Matthews, Marner, Nylander, Tavares. Didn't really give them many opportunities to do anything. Corpusalo played well, but but here's the other secret, and I think everybody's realizing this now with Bobrovsky kind of you know not doing great in Florida. Whereas Bobrovsky is a great goaltender, but and I think Corpusalo is good, and I think Elvis is good, but so much of what the Blue Jackets do is they make sure that if a chance gets to the goaltender, it is that that team has had to do some work to get there. And that's what that shutout in Game 1 really felt like. I mean, other than the one really good save where Matt, where uh, where Elvis had to, or not Elvis, Jonas pushed across and caught that one where Matthews was just right over the top of the goal. Most of the saves weren't anything spectacular. They were good, but they weren't spectacular. This, this goal, well, I mean, this game, I mean, it was just the kind of game where when you were done watching it, it was like, wow, okay, so game one went how we wanted it to go. That's, that's surprising. I will, I will take that. And it just, it just seemed to, to flow for the team right there. Game two felt like the polar opposite when they lost three nothing. Now, granted, they lost three nothing. One of those was an empty net goal. Corsi, they were dominated. They only had thirty eight percent. 
scoring chance is only 34%. The high danger chances for only 26%. That game was hard to watch from beginning to end. They just they just never looked ready. And for a while when I was watching it, because only the Maple Leafs scored until the end of the second, but when I was watching it, I, I, all week I've been hearing different people talk about how the Blue Jackets had to essentially play really well to win, and the Maple Leafs, because they had such scoring talent, could maybe make some mistakes and still win. Part of me kind of wondered and kind of hoped that this would be a game where the Blue Jackets, you know, maybe didn't deserve to win and still pulled it out. But that didn't happen. They just got beat. I mean, just left and right, they were just beaten on that game. And it was... When it was over, something that kind of helped me feel better about it. I I discussed this with some people on Twitter and different things, but... I always had the feeling the Blue Jackets were going to get blown out in one game. Uh, just because the, the Maple Leafs have such offensive talent. It always felt like at least one game they were going to just... The Maple Leafs were just going to open up, and that was going to be it. The Blue Jackets were not going to be able to to hold on. And my hope was that if it was just one game, then you know there'd be one game where the Maple Leafs really lit up the scoreboard and, and won. I, in my mind, I was thinking there might even be a five or six goal game where the Maple Leafs win a game 6-3 or something like that. Um, this game wasn't that. I mean, obviously it was 3 nothing and an empty net goal, but it, it, it pretty much felt like a blowout. And that's kind of how I felt better about this game after it was over. Um, it was just, we were, you know, we just were outplayed. Top to bottom, that was it. Goal, th- game three. The Pierre-Luc Dubois party. Uh, that was something else. It, it was... I mean, I've seen this team have, have comebacks before. And the one that sticks clearest in my mind, and it might be partially because I was there. I mean, obviously there was the big comeback against Tampa last year in the playoffs. There was a game, I want to say it was last year, maybe it was the year before, I don't remember exactly, but it was against the Dallas Stars. And it was a game where they were down 2-1 late in the game. They pulled their goalie, scored on the goalie being pulled, and then won it in overtime. And I remember because I had I see where I was down pretty close to the to the to the ice on that one. And it was just those those moments of of those types of comebacks are incredible. And and when they happen, when it's your team that does them. Uh, and I, again, I put this on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter if you don't, by the way. Yeah, shoot once pod. I, I, maybe I give away too much of my shows when I'm on there. But those are the moments you're a sports fan for. Um, those are the moments where, you know, you're down through nothing and the team has this amazing comeback. And the guy who you want, who you really are thinking this needs to be the star of this team, has a hat trick. And, and that might have been part of what made that game so great. Um, I saw people referencing the whole draft day situation for Pierre-Luc Dubois. If you're not familiar with it, it was the year that it was Austin Matthews, number one, Patrick Lyon, number two, and pretty much the consensus number three was Jesse Pugliarvi. And going into that draft, the Blue Jackets, it's kind of funny looking back on it because at the, at the lottery, they had uh, John Davidson there, and the Blue Jackets got the third pick. I think he even said something along the lines of, well, there's obviously the two top players in this draft, which we think, he, you know, it was Matthews and and Line A. And it was interesting that he said that, especially in retrospect, because at the time when I thought of it, when I when he ha- when he said it, 
my thought was, oh, well, he's just, you know, maybe he's just trying to land some intrigue to who he's going to pick or I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's something where this, that's the, how the team feels. It was kind of interesting to, when there's a guy who's kind of the consensus number three to hear them say they weren't going that direction. And then the draft came, and I even remember they they picked third, and when they said Pierre-Luc Dubois, uh, I remember seeing video from the little party the Blue Jackets did for it where people were booing. And it's, it's, it's really funny to me when hockey fans boo draft picks for a couple of reasons. I mean, unless it's the obvious guy, most hockey fans, and this is true in, in the States, uh, from what I understand, this is even true in a lot of Canada, because there's so much hockey to watch, most of us don't see a lot of these kids play. So we don't know who they are when they're coming to play. The only sport where I have found that fans seem to have a, a really good sense of who's being drafted, and even then they're all wrong a lot of the time, is football. And football is a little different than every other sport because a college team only plays 12 games a year, so it's not hard to get a good sense of a bunch of different college games. High school or, or junior hockey and all that, really hard to get a sense of that. But I remember it was such a big deal and, and people being like, oh, what are the Blue Jackets doing? What are they doing with this? And and, and the Edmonton Oilers went right up and drafted Jesse Pugliarvi. And we all know how that turned out. And there was something about that game, that comeback game, with, with Pierre-Luc Dubois getting the hat trick where there's this moment of, hey, yeah, this is a guy who's going to be our star. Um because something that was going on this whole series, and I think it was in the back of most Blue Jackets fans' heads, was, hey, if we lose, we get that chance at the number one overall pick. Because that's just hanging out there. But there's the sense, and I've been talking about it for a while now, where maybe maybe that big difference maker we need, we already have, and we just don't know it yet. Because there's plenty of players where that happens. Where when they're younger, eh, they're growing into their game. And then if they get older, they start turning into that star. And maybe Pierre-Luc Dubois is one of those guys. I mean, if he is, you want to win. I mean, that that's the thing. I I, I know some teams talked about one. I, the thing is, I don't think any any no players wanted to lose, that's for sure. But as a Blue Jackets fan, as someone who has been a fan of teams that have been bad for long periods of time, I can assure you the worst thing is to just keep losing. That is the worst thing. Because you just... There is a culture to things, and I, I understand the analytics people don't like it when you say that kind of stuff. But I think, I th- I think when they when it's because how it's said sometimes in 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 general analysis and what it actually means are two different things. You think of it, you know, it's not oh well, this team won just because they've won before, so they know how to win. Well, I mean, every player who's played hockey and has gotten to this level has been on good teams. But it's a culture of an organization. If you've worked in different businesses, if you've worked in different places, I've worked places with great work cultures, I've worked in places with crappy work cultures, and it changes how you go to work every day. And maybe that's somebody will be like, oh, no, you put in 110% every day no matter what. Yeah, you do go and you try and work hard every day, but it changes things. It changes how people work. It changes how they view their job. It changes how they view the future of their job. So for these players especially for the ones who were in Columbus, like Felino before the winning was a thing to now say, we are in our fourth straight year of going to the Stanley to going to the true, you know, 16 team playoff. I know every team gets to count that they were in the qualifiers as being in the, in the postseason, but the blue jackets get to honestly look at it and go, no, we've made those 16 teams now this many times. 
four times in a row now. It, I mean, they're. It's funny because I every once in a while someone will throw out the tweet, who were the last? You know, what four teams or five teams have been in the playoffs the last four years? And it'll be you know the big names, and then people will be like, oh, the Blue Jackets, really? Because it's still that thing of of generating that that mindset. But in that locker room, that culture is there. That they are like, no, we're going to come and we're going to win. And it's good it's there because the next game we're going to discuss, put it to the test. Now, we all watched Friday night. And if you didn't, you probably had you probably had a much better night than I did. The Blue Jackets led the game to like the final four minutes. The Maple Leafs score three. Empty, three after pulling the goalie out of their net, score three six-on-five goals tie the game, and an overtime win on a power play. Now, I know some people were belly aching about the power play. I'm not going to do that. Um, I, I mean, the penalty, it was a tripping call. It was the right call. If you want to say it was ticky-tack, I don't know, really. Felina was behind the guy, and then the guy's tripped when the stick's on. I mean, what's the guy going to do? Make sure he doesn't step on the stick that's behind him? But, I mean, when you give up a 3 nothing lead... There's only so much you can do. I mean, you can't blame anybody for what happened. Um, it, it just wasn't... It was incredible. It, it was the kind of thing that's once in a blue moon. And and not even that often. And and, and the, the, the closest thing I can compare it to... Because in hockey, I've seen very few leads like that just evaporate. But I do remember back in the early 2000s... Um, I was watching a Browns game. That's that's football, uh, American football, if you're not, not privy to the NFL. But in that game, the Browns were up 21-0 on the Bears. And the Bears were a really good team at the time uh, with two minutes to go in the game. And for those of you who don't know, two minutes, the final two minutes of the NFL game, I mean, it's if you're up 21 nothing with two minutes to go, that should be it. They somehow found a way to turn the ball over. And, like, they turned the ball over, and then there was an onside kick, and then I think they turned it over again. The Bears scored three touchdowns. And then in overtime, on, like, the second play of overtime, the quarterback throws a pass over the middle. It hits the referee in the head. It bounces into the air. The Bears linebacker grabs it and runs it in for a touchdown. It's one of the most bizarre losses I'd ever seen. And from that day, I have been a, no, it's not over till those zeros on the clock because I have seen that happen. And so as much as I was stunned when that happened, in my mind, it didn't feel totally unexpected. It, always, it felt like, well, we lost. We found an incredible way to lose. And, and that would have closed it out. And, and the, the crazy thing, that crazy Pierre-Luc Dubois open net, empty net he shot, and it went into the side plastic. If they'd lost the series, that would have been the image of the series for the Blue Jackets. Because that, that would have been, that would have done it. It was, it's just, oh my goodness. Whew, that was a game. That was something. All right, well, I'm going to throw over to a, a quick word uh, about a, 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 another show here on the Hockey Podcast Network, and then I'll be right back, and we'll, we'll wrap up this discussion and discuss what's coming next with Tampa Bay. 
Hey, hockey fans, I'm Breezy. And I'm Ray Ray. We host the House of Hockey podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. We're lifelong hockey fans who talk about the game and the lifestyle. Our guests include professional hockey players. My rookie party had to wear Speedo, and then we had a checklist of stuff we had to do. Here we go, Gaber. What do you got to say? And it's kind of like, <laughs> you know better than that now, boys. I got dressed for the Bruins. You get a phone call. And he's like, dude, we need you over here by the elevator. You got to get downstairs. You got to get dressed right now. I started playing the like, dun, 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 and I turned it around and it had the Olympic rings and said, we did it. NHL team hockey reporters. I actually took the Stanley Cup to this ice bar where they've got now girls around them and I've got a fur coat on. <laughs> I wonder who, who he should have checked over here. And then I looked down at my favorite Hockey fans. The entire bar was lined with guys in Kings jerseys. We quickly realized, oh my gosh, this is the dad's trip. And we bring unique hockey stories to light. Coming back to England, 24 rings in the entire country. That's where the problem starts with the sport of ice hockey here. Canadian Blind Hockey Association. Those few kids we interviewed, their whole week is built around Sunday at the rink. They're just hockey players. We don't agree on everything. Pineapple goes on pizza. (gasps) No, it does not. I think it does. But we do agree that there are many people and places that build the House of Hockey. New episodes every Tuesday. Come on in to the House of Hockey podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. So coming into the final game, we talked about that winning culture. And how that can change things. And it was interesting hearing what the Blue Jackets players were saying in that off day between the day where they blew a 3 nothing lead and before they were going to play a game five. And it was very much a, we're going to focus on the next game. We're going to focus on the next thing. And it was huge to hear that Warinsky was back for this game because they, they needed him. I mean, it was it's the kind of thing where you feel like if Warinsky hadn't gotten hurt in the game where they blew a 3 nothing lead, they probably wouldn't have. Um, Wensky would have made a play somewhere to stop it because that was just a perfect series of events for the Maple Leafs. But knowing that he was back was huge. And this game, while it didn't feel like the Blue Jackets dominated it, it, it felt closer to game one again. Felt like it was right in their wheelhouse, right in the kind of game they were comfortable with, where... The Maple Leafs really didn't get chances to set up. The Maple Leafs really didn't get chances to really have all their playmakers in the offensive zone for a period of time. The Blue Jackets' forecheck was going especially early in the game. My goodness, early in the game, that was something. I was I was feeling really good early in the game because in that, that early part of it, it, it felt like they were just, they had the forecheck going. The Maple Leafs just weren't able to to get any real offense going, um, and and Corpy had a night. Corpy was back on top of it, and and some of it was luck. I mean, that John Tavares when he had that open net and he hit it off the bar. I I, I never try. I try and never let myself feel good about games when they're happening because there is such a potential for something to go wrong, as I've seen in the past. But when that happened, there was just kind of a sense of, well, this isn't their night. Things aren't just going to go for them. I mean, the Wierenski goal was a great goal by him. It was just, I mean, it was it was kind of a clutch Wierenski goal 
that that shot. And then the, the foodie goal. Uh, foodie, we got to talk for food, about foodie for a second. Man, foodie is something, isn't he? I mean, he is. I'm just, I'm impressed with what, who he is, what he can do. Um, I mean, Liam Foodies was the second highest on the team in this closing game in individual expected goals for uh, at 0.21, which, which is, is not bad. Um, to give you a sense, number one was Bjorkstrand with 0.4, which Bjorkstrand had some real chances tonight. Um, the highest on the Maple Leafs. They had a couple of players. Matthews was a point four. Tavares was a point three. Uh, but then it, it goes to some Blue Jackets at the point four for Bjorkstrand and the point two one for Liam Foudy. Or, yeah, Foodie. I don't know. I keep saying Foudy because I hadn't heard it pronounced forever, but it's Foodie. And he looks like something, doesn't he? And Texier looks like something. I mean, that that's part of where, when I'm talking about maybe the talent, the, the future superstar talent on this team, Guys like Bjorkstrand. Yes, Bjorkstrand did not light it up in this series. But there were some times he was really noticeable where he was causing turnovers, he was getting scoring chances, they just didn't go. But but Foodie and Texier were great. I mean, those are the kind of players that Texier looks like, and as for as young as he is, it's incredible, and, and with a smaller body, but he looks like he has a similar style almost to Dubois already. Where maybe more aggressive defensively. I don't know how skilled he is offensively yet. We haven't really seen that on play. Although we've seen some good passes from him. Um, but man, he's a skilled defender. And he's he's aggressive on the puck. He's angry on the puck. I love it. Foodie is is a, at times a possession monster. There were times we were seeing him just hang on to the puck all day. And the goal he got was just... Those you just kind of call either dumb luck goals or goals of opportunity where, you know what, there's no one here. And, and it's really interesting to hear the because I saw the Maple Leafs fans talking about how there were two things they were mad about on that goal. One, it should never have gone in. Because, uh, I mean, it was a really weird angled goal, and it looked like it bounced off of the inside of uh, Frederick Anderson's pads. And they also were mad at the line change, which was strange because, yeah, it, it, it was a strange set a series of events that he was down there alone for so long. And, like, he was down there along the goal line so long, he kind of looked up. I think he saw them coming and just said, I'm just going to shoot it on net and see what happens. And, and both of those are things to be angry about. Um, one is a coaching thing. Uh, I mean, one is, that's kind of got off along coaching, the idea of doing a line change then. I mean, that's just bizarre to make those types of choices. But the goals of opportunity, those are just going to happen. There's, there's, they're just gonna happen. They're just dumb luck goals that happen sometimes. Um, the, the, the one that came to mind for me that happened in this series. What game was that in? I think it was the Cody CC goal in Game Two, and the Maple Leafs won three nothing. Um, yeah, CC had a had a goal. No, that wasn't Game Two. Oh, it was game three. It was the game the Blue Jackets came back in. Uh, the CC goal, because yeah, people were making jokes about if Cody CC scores a playoff goal and you lose, you should be, you should, your franchise should be re- relocated immediately. Uh, but CC's goal was just kind of like that. It was a goal of opportunity. 
he just was going to he was trying to throw it at the opposite corner. It bounced off a guy's leg. It bounced off Seth Jones' leg and went right into the net. And, and those happen. And and as a team, it's about you know can you keep finding other chances? And the thing the Blue Jackets did in this final game of the series. Yes, they 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 outchanced the Leafs in in expect. I mean, they didn't ex- out expect goals for them. Um, high danger chances. The Leafs actually had one more, seven to eight. Uh, but the Blue Jackets, because their defensive shutdown, because their goalie, they were able to hang on and and just they looked like they were in control of that game as it was happening. It was it was it was great to see this team play the way they did because especially with going up against Tampa. They, this is the kind of game you want to play when you play Tampa, especially with Tampa not getting, not having Stamkos. Uh, looks like they're not going to have Victor Hedman uh, due to injury. This is the kind of game you want to be playing because it's what you played last year when you beat them. Um, so I, I'm excited for what we're going to see. Uh, if you haven't seen the schedule yet, game one's Tuesday at three, game two is Thursday at three, game three is Saturday at 7 30. Game four is next Monday at three. Uh, games five, six, and seven, those will, are all to be determined. If you're trying to catch them on TV, if you live in the Fox Sports Ohio area, they'll have to be on Fox Sports Ohio. If you don't, NBCSN. Uh, another issue I wanted to talk about from that game, or from the whole series, actually, because I saw it come up a few times, and, and maybe it's because Maple Leafs fans are, there's so many of them, and they're so good at just grabbing a GIF and throwing it on. There was a lot of pointing out of the uh, cross checks to the back, which the Blue Jackets made took advantage of. Now the Maple Leafs did too, um, but when the Blue Jackets did it, there were two specific events that occurred. There was the Jake Munson injury where Pierre Dubois cross checked him in the back. He fell forward, looked like there was some weird thing where he kind of hit the back of Bjorkstrand's uh, boot of his skate, not the skate itself. He got injured, and then in this game. Uh, deciding game five, there was a two-minute penalty to uh, to Wierenski, who cross-checked Tavares in the back, and a play that could have gone a lot worse because Tavares, when he fell, if he'd been six inches closer, he would have hit the board at a weird angle for his head, and that, that would have been terrible. Now, I saw Maple Leafs fans saying, these are worse, these should be suspendable, and these should be different things. Here's the truth. I don't disagree with that. During the season, I think we lost Bemstrom for a while. I know we lost Texier for a while uh, because of those cross-checks to the back. And they didn't even fall. They just got hit, and it hurt them. What I would like to see the NHL do... A couple years back, they tried. They wanted to lower the amount of stick checks where you just slapped a guy on the hands with your stick. And for the most part, they did it um, because they started calling it. They called it, and for about the first week, about every game, there's an extra power play or two from where a guy got called for stick checking by just slapping a dude on the hands. It stopped it. That's what I want the NHL to do. I want them to start calling cross checks. If you do it, guys will change their game. And I know this sounds strange as a, coming from a fan of a team where we're all about physicality and our, our advantage is all about doing that, but I would I would do I mean I, I would like to see that change because I don't think players should be getting hurt by these plays that aren't true hockey plays. So that's that's my take on that. 
Um, this initial week of playoff hockey was just incredible. This was so much fun. I took probably too much time off of work um, to just enjoy all the days. Friday was awesome, a bunch of deciding games, the exception of the Blue Jackets game, obviously. But it was just so much fun for that after months of no hockey to just have hockey all day. And while I'm upset that the Blue Jackets games are starting at three because it makes life hard for those of us who work, uh, you know, at least first shift jobs, I, the fact that we're still sticking with from roughly three o'clock in the afternoon till midnight, there's going to be hockey games and playoff hockey nonetheless. That's awesome. That's exciting. Uh, I'm so pumped, guys. Uh, I mean, <laughs> this is going to be something else. I can't wait. Uh, but check out the rest of the shows on the network for for if you want to hear about other games or other things. Monday night we got the draft lottery, which that'll be that'll be its own thing. My goodness, that's going to be nuts. Something again, I want to remind you of if you haven't tune into Toronto Sports Radio. It'll be a fun thing to hear in the morning. So, thank you guys very much for listening, and go Jackets. Are you looking for a new jersey? Is there a new player you want? Do you want a do you want an Elvis jersey? Do you do you get excited about? Are you looking forward to the draft when a uh, when the Blue Jackets make a first round pick and you can whoever it is you want to get a jersey of them right away? I don't know. Whatever you're looking for, I do know that what you want to do is you want to go to coolhockey.com/thpn when you want to get a jersey uh, and use the promo code thpn because you're going to get. Uh, you're going to get 30% off there at the website and, and coolhockey.com. I know that when you're searching around for jerseys online, you're wondering, am I going to get something that's worth it? Am I going to get one of these weird knockoffs where the numbers are all weird? What's going to happen? Coolhockey.com is going to have a great selection for you. They ensure that every product that leaves the doors is done to the specifications of the NHLPA. They don't outsource their jerseys for customization. So they're able to offer you all the best ones. Um, great quality on it. Uh, so again, go to, coolhockey.com slash THPN so forward slash THPN and use the promo code THPN for all your hockey jersey needs again coolhockey.com slash THPN please connect with the show on twitter at shoot once pod and thank you for listening to the shoot once podcast